Our revenue numbers this year will be about 170 million, but we also measure our underlying business. So our ticketing vertical and our travel vertical are still massively affected. So we should surpass 200 million in the underlying business level uh, this year, but our actual realized revenue adjusted for what will happen with COVID in those couple of verticals is still massively impacted with about 170. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka. Now, if you're hearing this, it means you're not currently on our subscriber feed. To subscribe, go to getlatka.com. When you subscribe, you won't hear ads like this one. You'll get the full interviews. Right now, you're only hearing partial interviews. And you'll get interviews three weeks earlier from founders, thinkers, and people I find interesting. Like... Eric Wan, 18 months before he took Zoom public. We got to grow faster, minimum is 100% over the past several years. Or bootstrap founders like Vivek of Question Pro. When I started the company, it was not cool to raise. Or Looker CEO Frank Bean before Google acquired his company for $2.6 billion. We want to see a real pervasive data culture, and then the rest flows behind that. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. There, you'll find a private RSS feed that you can add to your favorite podcast listening tool, along with other subscriber-only content. Now look, I never want money to be the reason you can't listen to episodes. On the checkout page, you'll see an option to request free access. I grant 100% of those requests, no questions asked. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Bruce Buchanan. He's the co-founder, CEO, and chairperson of Rocked. Founded in 2012, the company makes e-commerce smarter, faster, and better. Bruce, you ready to take us to the top? Ready to go, Nathan. I'll tell you what, you are in a hot space. E-commerce plus marketing. Help us understand what you're doing for customers. Uh, so I started this business eight years ago, and we uh, our objective is to make e-commerce smarter, faster, and better. Basically, I'm trying to solve a problem I had from my previous business, which was Jetstar, a low-cost airline in Asia Pacific, which I built over 10 years to be the largest low-fares airline. And one of the problems we discovered, low-cost airlines are one of the first direct-to-consumer businesses, but we discovered the importance of this moment in time where consumers were transacting, which we call the transaction moment. And if we could get the right products and the right messages in front of uh, our customers, we could double the profitability of the airline. Uh, yep. And that's the problem we've been trying to solve at uh, Rock for the last eight years. Uh, yep. got about 3,000 clients now, mostly enterprise. We launched our Shopify app recently, but we specialize in uh, enterprise level, but the transaction moment's our key business. And what have you guys passed in terms of revenue at this point? Uh, so we measure that in two ways. There's a COVID. Our revenue numbers this year will be about 170 million, but we also measure our underlying business. So our ticketing vertical and our travel vertical are still massively affected. So we should surpassed 200 million in the underlying business level uh, this year, but our actual realized revenue adjusted for what will happen with COVID in those couple of verticals is still massively impacted with about 170. Okay, so just to be clear, you think you'll break about $14 million in December 2021 revenue, which would put you on a run rate of being 170 million? We'll do a total this year, 170 million. Got it. Um, so you'll so do more than 14 million in December? Yeah, way more yeah. than 14. And just to be clear, December, that's all... December. That's not like GMV. That's not like GMV through your platform, right? That's actually your margin. Rocks takes correct. No, we our our gross profit, if you will, it will be about uh, just under ninety million. Um, so zero. we measure. It's a slightly different way we measure it, but yeah, if you looked at it on a gross profit or gross contribution level, it's about ninety million. So explain that to folks. I mean, I think what you're building is the future of e-commerce sales. Those of you that haven't used Rocked, it's basically like let's say you go on Shopify and you check out. I'm going to make this up a flower pot. 
the flower pot company at the end of the checkout process might then sell you fertilizer because the fertilizer brand pays rocks to put the fertilizer upsell at the end of that that transaction moment. And so what you're saying, yeah. Bruce, I believe is like, what is that 170 million number? Is that that's not is that GMB through the platform? Or what does that mean? It's a little bit complicated because we've got product sales and advertising that gets mixed together. And product sales, we book, and the SaaS revenue as well. SaaS revenue is just gross in there. A product revenue, we book at our margin, which is typically about 3%, which goes into that gross 170 number. But advertising, we book the whole number. Uh, and then our margin on that, if you look at a contribution number, is less than that. That's the difference between the 170 and 90 is basically the way you treat the advertising revenue. What is that uh, contribution margin on advertising? Uh, it depends on what we're doing, but our gross contribution margin on advertising is about 50%. Interesting. Uh, so am I understanding this correctly? The difference between 170 million and 90 is basically there's 70 or 80 million bucks of, of advertising revenue going through your platform of which you only capture 50% of the spend? It, that's a, that's the amount that we pass on to e-commerce partners effectively the delta between oh, those two numbers. I so see. if you look at gro gross profit, so if we're selling product, you know, they keep obviously around 97% of all of the revenue. And so we don't book the, the gross product sales, but when we're talking about advertising, we book the gross revenue and we clear the, the, the transaction. So Disney's trying to acquire customers on our platform. They might spend X million dollars. We clear that with, you know, uh, a thousand different e-commerce partners or whatever that that ad appears. And then, you know, the, the core part of our business is we main, unlike a typical advertising value ecosystem where, and this is slightly different from product and marketing, um, which are the other two sides of our business, but on the advertising side, we are a closed wall garden, similar to like a Google. And so we clear everything and we deal directly with the advertiser, directly with the e-commerce company, primarily because we're dealing with sensitive data. Um, and in a world, you know, in, the, in, in the last few years, that's only become even more important that we keep that very secure for our clients. So since you own the marketplace, if Disney pays you $10 million and they say, go put it through your platform, you'll basically effectively spend $5 million through the platform on ads, keep $5 million as revenue for using the Rocks technology. Yeah, they're all JVs. I mean, the way the economics work on the advertising is um, they're contracts like JVs where we pass 50% of the transparent relationship. We then wear all the costs, which is about 43 cents in a dollar. So 50 cents goes a partner. They see exactly what's happening. We're very transparent. We spend about 43 cents on technology and hosting and sales and commission and management of the platform and data costs and all sorts of weird, wonderful things. And we keep about seven cents on the dollar on the on the net advertising side. So it's typically how the advertising business works. And then in twenty twenty one of the ninety million of gross revenue, how much of that will be SaaS? Uh, SaaS for us is relatively small. The, the fastest growing part of it, SaaS for us, will be probably you know around five, six, seven million dollars. I think this year. Um, the fastest growing part of our business is product, what we call distributed commerce. We're actually selling like parking or insurance or you know whatever name a product that gets bought when you're buying another product um and that, on that product we're taking it's a marketplace card as well it's a straight rev share effectively it's like a credit card merchant fee is effectively the way that looks uh, hmm. from a PL perspective so, so if you looked at like a paypal or mastercard you'd you don't understand how that PL works yeah just to make it easy for everyone listening to follow along if Di if you help disney sell a winnie the pooh stuffed animal or right through your e-commerce checkout and that stuffed animal is 10 bucks you'll take essentially 30 cents of the 10 bucks or about three percent exactly that's yeah. exactly how it works you're not producing your own product and storing product you're just the cut 
we, we, we sell nothing. And that's really important, actually, is we want to be completely unbiased as a middleman. Um, we connect consumers and um, and brands and providers in a way that makes the product more effective. So if, I, if you sell insurance or whatever through Rock and a customer's buying an airline ticket, you'll sell 60% more insurance because we get the right product, the right price in front of that consumer when they're buying. We can manage the the consumer relevancy and the contextual relevancy in, a, in real time in a transaction flow to optimize against lots of different variables. But essentially, your take rate on that product improves by about you know, 50, 60%. So you pay us 3%, but you sell 50 or 60% more product. That's because you're putting them in the right yeah. transaction moments on related products. Yeah, and getting the creative right, the UX right. Um, so, you know, some people, when they buy parking, want to see how close the parking garage is. Some want to see uh, the picture of the garage, someone to see a map, you know, and so everyone's got different buying parameters and the UX and the product and the pricing all changes dynamically um, to get the best outcome for the e-commerce provider. And sometimes that's their own product, by the way, that's where the SaaS components come in. It's much lower margin for us, but where it's their own product or their own marketing messages, you know, you've got anything on the review page or payment page or shipping page or confirmation page could be, you know, site, download my app or, you know, buy the baggage product on my airline ticket. You know, there can be lots of those sorts of messages as well. But yeah, essentially, there are three arms of the, the revenue stream. It's still all the same thing, which is the transaction moment. It's all about optimizing the actions and experiences. But you've got a SaaS revenue stream, which is the internal stuff. You've got a product uh, rev share, which looks like a merchant service fee, like a credit card. And then you've got a, an advertising revenue stream. And advertising is where we started, and so it's still the biggest, but the fastest growing is a product piece of the puzzle. You raised $80 million last year. What valuation were you able to raise that at? We raised uh, $80 million. It was a closed round, so we didn't go out to market. Um, and so we raised it at $450 uh, pre money. Um, and, uh, you know, that was right in the middle of it was probably a couple months we were doing the negotiations right in the middle of covid which was kind of interesting because we went into covid with uh <laughs> with about 50 or 60 percent of our volume centered in in verticals that were uh, basically shut down Cru cruise lines yeah. airlines hotels <laughs> yeah you know entertainment sports ticketing they didn't do too well cinemas you know <laughs> um uh so our whole ticketing and entertainment vertical dropped 97 percent our travel vertical dropped about 60 or 70%. So they just got really badly hit. And uh, the great thing was we bought a business the year before in B2B, which is a company called Offologic, which we create our, our B2B vertical. And our retail vertical had been really starting to fire beforehand. And it, it, we'd been working on it a long time. But then with the COVID hit, the retail um, vertical just took off, not just natural organic growth, but all of our BD discussions and all of these incumbents that had to rely on e-commerce, like now we really need to get our e-commerce proposition right. So mm -hmm. our new business pipeline went crazy. We actually came out of COVID like way, way, way stronger than we went into COVID. But at the start of COVID, it was kind of scary because some of our biggest verticals went completely offline effectively, you know, 97% decline, I would say it's pretty much offline. <laughs> what, what can you, we try and capture that for a second. So you're going to do 170 million this year. What'd you finish 2020 at? Uh, we finished 2020 just shy of 100 on actual basis, but it would have been about 135, 140 if you'd adjusted it for COVID. And the margin um, on so a mar gross margin basis, gross profit? It's about 55% if you adjust it all through something in that sort of range. You okay, know, you so, so it, like 65 million, 70 million? About, about 55 million in gross profit last year, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. 55 or just under 100.
uh, interesting. And then take me back the year before co- uh, before that, right? So when you finished 2019 at before COVID hit. So we finished uh, the year before without any COVID impacts and we yep. finished right just above 100. So uh, what was interesting was our investors, despite the COVID impact, um, they could see that the business was growing in an underlying basis really, really fast. And so the valuation lifted, I think about 65% over about nine months. And that wasn't because our actual results were lifting that way. They could just see the underlying business getting stronger and stronger and stronger. Mm-hmm. So actual revenue remained pretty flat. Yep. Um, it looks flat, but actually it wasn't flat really. If you, It was like a roller coaster. March, April, we got smashed when COVID started and our revenue tanked 65%. And then we came back with this, you know, retail and all these other businesses really were growing fast. And so we finished the year really strong. But if you look at the annual results year on year, it looks relatively flat. Yep. Um, Interesting. More like a roller coaster in the middle. <laughs> yeah, just repeating back to you, both in 2019 and 2020, you did on a top line basis something a little over 100 million, of which you made about 55 to 60 million in gross profit. Now, the revenue mix was different because of COVID impacts, but this year you'll return to a growth profile. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, our underlying business is still growing strong. So we still did about 35, 40% growth in 2020 and underlying basis, you know, if you take out the COVID impacts. And this year we'll do the same, you know, we'll go from that one, 140, 130, late 130, 140 million to about 200 million underlying basis. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's that, the growth still very strong. And that's why we, 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 you can look at it at a net level and say, okay, you go from 100 to 170 and the growth's amazing. But actually that overstates the, this year's growth and understates last year's growth if you don't adjust for it. So. Yeah, um, but the, the underlying business tends to grow at about forty percent every year, and it's pretty steady. How are you growing? Where are you finding new customers? Lots of different areas. Um, so some of it's new verticals like the retail and B two B stuff that we just talked about. So they've been two really good successes for us. We're also expanding ge- geographically, so our Japanese business starting to really take off. We're in sixteen countries now, so that's been good. We also only a few months ago launched our first SMB product, which is a Shopify app, which gives them a really slimmed down version of our product, just gives them the advertising product and the confirmation page this time. But we're going to roll out a few more versions of that over the next sort of six to 12 months and expand it beyond Shopify. Uh, so client type is another one, vertical geography and product is the other one. So as we get um, you know, into distributed commerce and we start selling more product and um, we go further up into the ecosystem, we start handling more of the volume of the e-commerce or more value of the e-commerce transaction through our platform. We also drive more revenue. If Disney writes so you a $10 four, million dollar four, check, four. I was going to say, if Disney writes you a $10 million check to put through your advertising product or your product product, do they? is it required they have a SaaS license as well? No, no, they can pick and choose. And, and lots of customers use different products and expand. So we have lots of organic growth, about 40% growth, about 20% every year comes from existing customers growing mm-hmm. into new products and just growing their footprint with us. So um, there's a bit of a combination of both, but there's no requirement. You can you can come in and use whatever you want. We still have a very, our philosophy commercially is play the long game, deliver lots of value. Don't try and lock in cut clients with complicated contracts. It just slows down the sales cycle mm-hmm. and try and make it really easy for them to get up to speed. Um, and does that 20% expansion more than make up for gross revenue churn? So your net net dollar retention is over 100? It depends which way you look at it. Um, but on the way that we find is most important is our e-commerce clients. Um, uh, so what we call the supply side of our business. So when we're powering those actual transaction side. Our, our, our revenue churn on a gross level for those is low single digits. So we are net negative churn, if you will, 
on our e-commerce clients, but on our advertising or product sale clients, it's a bit more fickle. Like, you know, whatever product's been sold and whatever, you know, it's sort of like Google AdWords or Amazon sponsored product listings, people are coming in and out with different deals all the time. And so the, the, the movement in that marketplace month to month looks quite high. On an annual or, or biannual basis, it's it's fairly steady, but you get a lot of movement by different seasons and months and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But we don't tend to think of that as churn, and it's more the marketplace dynamics of who wants to acquire more customers this month and who's you know trying to launch a new product and who's got a big push into some product styles that's really a long basis it's um it's probably about about neutral but we, we tend to focus on the e-commerce side which is a net negative change for us mm-hmm. you've got 80 million in fresh powder name a company you'd love to go acquire <laughs> i don't think i'd say it here <laughs> i mean you can look at the pattern that we've done before there's not too many businesses that are actually in our space so you know the what i'd say is if you look at the businesses that focus on the transaction moment and we're sort of a you know, we're an AP, we're, we're an abstraction layer or a widget or an API to rule all the other widgets, you know, and a way to make them smarter to get into the e-commerce mode, into the e-commerce environment or that transaction moment. There's not a lot of other companies that specialize in that space and there's no one really working in that area. So we have to really hunt hard to find businesses that uh, are relevant to what we do. So, for instance, we've looked at all the optimization plays. They're just not relevant because they don't really focus on our, on that transaction moment. They're more up a um, drives huge upside for everyone. Um, so we, we look at that, you know, in terms of SMB or other clients and those sorts of things. And we find someone else that's in the same space. Mm-hmm. Bruce, if, if Wonderkind files this year to IPO, do they have a good IPO or a bad IPO? Sorry, I lost you there. You broke up for two seconds. You're good. If BounceX, or now known as Wonderkin, decides to IPO this year, does it pop on launch day or does it not, not go so well? I don't know their business that well. It seemed to be when I looked at them a long time ago, and it seems to have changed a bit, um, it seemed to be a heavy consulting model. Um, and so I don't know where it's gone from there. And I don't know, you know, the current markets, <laughs> it'd be hard to guess the way they value anything. I mean, some of the valuations are just, you know, very, very different. I mean, businesses that are somewhat have some analogies to us are businesses like Cardlytics that do it in, you know, closed marketplace for banks in their, you know, in their apps. So, you know, looking at that sort of business and that's done incredibly well, um, you know, in terms of its valuation. So we look at businesses like that. Uh, We also look at the marketing tech ecosystem, which has also got some, a lot of parallels with our business. Guys, on that note, there you have it. Bruce Buchanan, again, made it through COVID okay, despite being you know, heavily in the travel industry world going into COVID. This year, they'll do $170 million, sort of top line on a gross profit basis, something like $90 million, looking at 30 to 40, maybe even more 50% year-over-year growth. They raised $80 million last year at a $450 million valuation as they continue to scale their brand into three specific revenue lines with their product selling revenue line growing the fastest and advertising play as well and then a SaaS revenue line that makes up caught six to seven million of the 90 million in gross profit bruce thanks for making time for me thanks for coming on thanks nathan great to see you again